Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Welcome to church today. So good that we can be together. Welcome to it wherever you're watching from and whatever you're up to at the moment. Welcome to it. If you're in the Joburg area, Hope you'll pull in for communion in your car, drive through communion, 11.30, just over an hour's time. It's going to be an amazing time of blessing. One of our leaders would just can't wait to pray a blessing over you and your families. We're going to lift sick people up to him in prayer. We're going to take the sacraments together. So important that the body of Christ, remember the body of Christ and have communion. You know, something profound and something personal and something deeply meaningful happens when we have communion together. And so drive through is what we can do at the moment, and it's going to be beautiful nevertheless. So pull through. If you're anywhere in the, in the Joburg region, Edenville and Boxburg, both of them, 11.30. We're in a series. We kick it off today. It's a little mini-series, kind of a two-part series, just like a left and right. Uh, it's called This Two shall pass. This too shall pass. We're in lockdown version adjusted level 4.0.2. Who knows? We've, we've, lost, <laughs> we've lost track. All we know is we're locked down. This too shall pass. It's a word of hope. It's a word of faith. It's a word of challenge. And it's an encouragement to each one of us to lift our eyes, lift our hearts, lift our spirits. At Thrive, we are a community of people who though The winter in Joburg and COVID and lockdown has meant that many of us are physically, obviously, uh, retreating somewhat, physically in a a lockdown, physically in a hibernation. We believe that as a community, we're not going to be that spiritually. We are going to be spiritually vibrant. We're going to spiritually be in spring. We're not going to be in winter spiritually. And so uh, we're we're a church, we're a community that does not hibernate. And Cole mentioned to you there's so much vision-wise happening as the kids zone continues to be revamped and Edenvale foyer, the plans are for that are progressing so beautifully. We're just we're constantly looking at ways to keep the church moving forward as a community of people moving towards Jesus. One of those is online life college starts this Wednesday, as you would have heard, 10 incredible courses. I think one of the best things you could do for yourself this year is to invest into three Wednesday evenings. Listen, when I tell you the content is, when the team showed me what they had in mind and the courses that that they were proposing, my mind was blown. You'll want to choose five of them. You can't. You can only choose one. However, all the content is going to be made available in an open source life college. Keep an eye out for that soon and we'll communicate. So, I feel stirred in my heart and stirred in my spirit that uh, as a community, we, we continue to move towards Jesus powerfully, and we're not in hibernation. We are in a spiritual renewal and revival. And I want you to know that uh, the elders of our church uh, pray that every single week. We pray that there would be a sense of revival, a spiritual revival uh, that would birth itself in the hearts and lives of our people. So as we kick off this series, This Too Shall Pass, the title for today, if you're taking notes, it's always good to take notes, you will go to heaven if you take notes, we always say, is sifting, shifting, and drifting. Sifting, shifting, and drifting. The context for today is we're going to look at a text in Zechariah. It's an Old Testament prophetic book. He was a prophet appointed by God to speak to the nation of Israel. He did so in an exceedingly difficult time in the nation of Israel's history. 
I want to suggest to you that if you're looking for some scripture to read and a place to anchor yourself scripture-wise, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, always should take up the bulk of our, our reading time because that's where Jesus' life is on display. If we're learning to be with him, become like him, and do what he did, the Gospels are massively important to us. However, at this time, and in particularly challenging seasons, the prophets are always enormously important for us to read. Why? Because they speak to the nation of Israel about the difficulties that the nation was going through. Zechariah is no exception. He speaks to the nation of Israel, and he speaks to them 20 years after they had returned from Babylonian exile. Quick backstory: For hundreds of years, Israel disobeyed God. Eventually, they were sent into exile in Babylon modern-day Iraq. Now, the Babylonian Empire, it's interesting to note, all, all empires are temporary. The Babylonian Empire gets overtaken by, conquered by, the Persian Empire. And King Cyrus comes to power as the Persian Empire. Now, with his newfound kingdom of Babylon in his hands, he looks at this nation that's there. He says, why are you guys here? I don't think you should be here. You may go back to your homeland. And so King Cyrus of Persia allows the Israelites to head back to their homeland. They do so. 20 years elapse from the time that Israel moves back into Israel, back into their land. 20 years pass, and Israel is disillusioned, disappointed, and despairing because things are not the way they thought they would be. The moral renewal that they'd hoped would take place hasn't taken place. The spiritual vitality that they thought would come with being back into the nation, in the actual land of Israel, hadn't come. The temple was, the plans for it had been, re, uh, for rebuilding had taken place, but no further progress had happened. And so Israel finds itself back in their land, sure, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally, they're not where they thought they should be. And it's into this context that Zechariah delivers a prophecy from God. It's a word of hope, it's a word of encouragement. Israel was in a time of sifting, shifting, and drifting. Sifting. Let's talk about the first word, sifting. Now, when you and I think sifting, what do we think about? Most times, our minds go back to baking, sifting wheat or flour into, uh, in a sieve, right? It's the kind of gentle, gentle sifting motion that we all think back to lockdown last year when everybody was baking. You couldn't get flour for love or money. Everybody was baking, that's why. Baking and pineapples because everybody was making pineapple beer. You couldn't get either of those in the shops. We think back to that kind of scenario and that setting. But biblically, sifting was a very different concept. Sifting was the removal of the head of wheat from the chaff. So it was a pulling apart of the wheat from the stalk. It was a violent, ripping, tearing part or, 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 or action or practice. Biblically, whenever we see sifting, it is that concept of tearing apart, right? That's what it's there to refer to. The nation of Israel had been sifted. They had literally been torn apart from their homeland, displaced into Babylon, and then found their way back here. They had been through a major sifting. Here's the thing, church. Sifting happens when life shakes us down when it makes us feel like life is tearing us apart. Sifting. Many of us have been through sifting. Loss of a loved one, torn apart from them. Loss of a job, torn apart from your job. Loss of a marriage, loss of a key friendship. Betrayal by a colleague 
All of these are sifting moments, moments where we're torn apart. Simon Peter, one of Jesus' three closest disciples, also experienced sifting, didn't he? We see it in Luke 22. Jesus says to him, he warns him, Simon, Simon, he says, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, he says, Simon, that your faith may not fail, that when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus warns Simon, you're going to be sifted, but I've prayed for you. I saw a very interesting clip the other day of cherry trees getting harvested and the machinery that comes and does the job for this. Have a look at this clip. We'll unpack it a bit after that. See you on the other side. Is old orchard. And there's small trees, but they're still shaking them. Interesting to see how the cherries are harvested, isn't it? This massive mechanical arm comes up to the tree, surrounds it, and then like, shakes it. And of course, when it shakes it, what falls to the ground but the cherries, the fruit. You know, I thought about that, and I thought, how, how apt an analogy for our lives. When life shakes us down, the thing that should drop off of us is fruit. And we should, like the tree, you notice it's not uprooted. I mean, it gets a, a crazy shaking, but yet the fruit drops off and the tree stands strong. And I pray that for us as a church and for, the, for those of us, our families and our friends, that though life might shake us down, the only thing that would fall is fruit. In the midst of adversity, in the midst of shaking down, what comes off of our lives, what drops off of our lives is fruit. And in the meantime, our roots stay strong. Our trunks stand strong and we stand tall and we stand firm in this season. I want to say this to us, church. The most powerful thing that you and I can pray for in this season is not simply for breakthrough in our circumstances. I think the seasons are lost on us. Seasons of difficulty are lost on us. If that's all we pray, I think we should be praying a far more profound prayer. A prayer that says, God, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of a shakedown, Lord, would you give me spiritual breakthrough, not merely circumstantial breakthrough, but spiritual breakthrough, that there would be fruit formed in my life, that when life shakes me down, there's something good that comes off of my life, that I would be praying a prayer, Lord, help me in this season to be with you, become like you, do what you did. Help me not to be somebody interested in merely getting the situation sorted, but Lord, would you come and get my spirit sorted? Would you get my heart sorted? Would you get my my mind sorted. Lord, though life may shake me down, may I be a person who gives fruit to other people. Most powerful thing you and I can pray for is that fruit would drop from our life. In the midst of a sifting, what should we pray for? God, would you please let me be a person where fruit drops, where, where I'm a person where my spirituality stays hot, it stays warm. You know, Jesus warned against us becoming lukewarm spiritually. 
How does that happen? Well, it goes from hot to lukewarm. And of course, then freezing is on the other side of that. Just make a cup of coffee in today. In where it's winter where we are at the moment. Uh, make a cup of coffee. It starts off piping hot. A minute later, it's lukewarm. Two minutes later, it's freezing. You know, that can happen to us spiritually as well. It even happens to our bodies physically. Did you know at 30, our normal temperature is 35, 36 degrees uh, Celsius? However, if we are 35 and below, we can have mild hypothermia. That can cause us a bit of confusion and dizziness. But at 33 degrees, just two degrees less, we can lose consciousness. And eventually at 21 degrees Celsius, we get what they call uh, a severe hypothermia or, or um, profound hypothermia and death results. It's amazing the difference just a few degrees can make for us. As a church, we're going to not be in a winter freezing season spiritually. So our Life College starting up this way, it's so important that we invest into our lives. We stay warm spiritually. It's so important we stay connected to our life groups, our serving teams, to the people that matter in our lives that can keep us warm spiritually. Though we might be physically distant, we're not going to be socially distant. We're not going to be spiritually distant, right? That's why we do something called common quiet moments every Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. It's just 30 minutes where I lead us in a, a moment and a few moments of silence, a few moments of solitude. I teach you things like centering prayers. Uh, we light some candles. We have a gospel reading. We take communion together and we just start the day off amazingly. I had so many people after that say, I never knew my day could start off so well. We put it on a Wednesday. Why? Because it's right in the middle of the week. Why? Because we're going to center ourselves right in the center of our week, right at the beginning of our day. We're just going to center ourselves. We're going to learn a depth of spirituality in the midst of a sifting season. Though life may shake you down, fruit can emerge. Second word we're going to talk about today is shifting. Shifting. Not only has Israel been sifted in the context of Zechariah's prophecy, but now that everything had shifted. So they come back to Israel. 20 years of being back in Israel, and what did they find? Everything had shifted under their feet. The very ground that they were on felt like it was sinking sand, felt like it was shifting sand. Nothing had happened the way they thought it would be. They thought by now they would be an independent nation. They thought that Persia would have given them independence. They thought spiritual renewal would have come through the rebuilding of the temple. They thought security would have come through the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. They thought moral renewal would come from the lessons they'd learned in captivity. Guess what? None of it happened. Everything had shifted. They felt like the ground beneath their feet was uncertain. Maybe you're watching today, you feel like so much has shifted. So much keeps shifting under your feet. Think about it with me. Work schedules keep shifting. First we're in the office, then we're at home. Then we're in the office, then we're working from home. Online schooling. Your kids' education keeps shifting. Budgets keep shifting at this time as well. Yeah, I saw a very interesting picture the other day of some sandbars just off the Queensland coast of Australia. It'll be on the screen right now. As you look at them, I want you to notice that those sandbars, they look like they're doing the picture right now. But the next day, if you had to take another aerial photograph the next day, those sandbars would have shifted. They would not be in the same formation. They'd not be in the same place. They keep shifting between islands and beaches. Nothing ever looks the same 
from day to day. That's how life feels at the moment for it, doesn't it? And the combination of sifting where things get torn apart and then shifting where things keep changing can be really, really challenging for us to cope with. Hey, the sifting sometimes gives rise to the shifting. So it's not only that sifting happens and then we encounter shifting. Sometimes the act of sifting causes the shift. Sometimes something that externally has happened, there might have been an external shift, then causes an internal shift for us. This is what was going on with Israel. What happened externally was they came back into their land, but nothing externally was working. There was no sovereignty of their nation. There was no rebuilding of the temple. The, the walls were still in ruin and disrepair. There was just nothing going on externally, that shift. They couldn't cope with it, and it caused an internal shift. Be here's the thing. Here's the thing. I feel like I'm speaking a prophetic word to somebody in this moment. Because the external wasn't working, their internal wasn't working. And what God will say to the nation is it doesn't have to be that way. Simply because the external is not where we want it to be doesn't mean the internal can't be. Yes, external shifts can cause internal shifts, and they do. You know, a CEO, for example, loses their job. That's an external shift. What can happen internally is that that person, she can feel, uh, where's my value? Where's my worth? What do I do? The external can cause the internal. Kids leaving home, uh, Parents who've experienced emptiness syndrome will tell you that unless a couple readjusts, recalibrates, reconfigures their marriage, they're going to struggle internally. Why? Because something major externally has shifted, and yet they haven't made those shifts themselves. Here's the thing. The external can cause the internal to shift, but it doesn't have to be that way. There have been some difficult shifts that have happened in the past year or 18 months for us. Hey, COVID is a shift. Uh, things have shifted, and guess what can happen? Internal, our shifts internally. We can lose heart. We can lose hope. We can lose passion. We can lose motivation. We can lose also that we can shift away from our core convictions. We can shift into spaces of negativity. We can shift towards being self-centered. We can shift towards being isolated. These are all internal shifts that can happen. If the external shifts, the internal wants to shift. And what, what I want to say to you today is it doesn't have to be way. You don't have to shift away from God towards your own deal. You don't have to shift away from depending upon Him to depending upon yourself. You don't have to shift into, I've got to make it happen. Shifting. Sometimes the sifting gives rise to shifting. Sometimes the external shifts can cause internal shifts. Last word we're going to talk about today is drifting. Drifting. Now, here's the thing. Israel had drifted away from God. We know that. They drifted away from God. They drifted away from the things of God. As a nation, they drifted. We know that because in Zechariah 1 verse 3, the text actually tells us. Zechariah prophesies to the people and he says, Therefore say to the people, this is what the Lord of hosts or the Lord of heaven's armies says. Return to me and I will return to you. We know Israel had drifted because God was calling them back. Hey, you know what it's like. Maybe if you've ever swum in the ocean, you head into the sea. Most swimming beaches will have markers on the beach, a flag on the left, a flag on the right, and you're supposed to swim between the flags. But what happens is, as you and I swim in the ocean, the currents underneath us 
cause us to drift, either left or right, depending upon which way the current is going. Next thing you know, we look back towards the beach, and we have drifted. Uh, every time we go to the beach, I do this exercise with Caitlin and Caleb. I say to them, guys, here's the beach, here's the flags, swim between those. And I ask them to keep looking back at me. I stand on the beach, I, I'll watch them, and the moment I see them drifting, you see, here's the thing, sometimes we don't notice that we're drifting. The current is so insidious, the current is so invisible, the effect of it sometimes doesn't even feel like it's doing anything. Yet when they look back at me, they notice they're way down the other side. And I have to say to them, guys, come back, come back, come back to the center, come back to the middle of the flags, remember your markers, remember where I am, come back to the center. Israel was being challenged with the very same thing. God was saying to them, return to me, guys, look back at me, come back towards me, you have drifted. The currents of our culture can make us drift. COVID is a current, isn't it? <clears throat> Excuse me. COVID's a major current. It can cause us to drift spiritually. Bad news is a current. Our media is obsessed with bad news. Negativity that that generates, that's a major, major current underneath our, our feet, isn't it? Spiritually. Going it alone. Independence. Uh, individualism, those are major, major currents that the cultural currents that are always underneath our feet, always seeking to move us and drift us spiritually. And today I feel like God's saying to somebody, look back to the beach, look back to your markers. The way you check your drift is to look back to the, me the beach and look at your markers. I'm going to offer you some markers today. I think one marker is pursuing God's presence, making his presence a priority. That's why we do things like calm and quiet moments, six o'clock on a Wednesday morning. You might say to me, the six o'clock's early. Man, I'm still in my PJs. Listen, we, advert, we say to people, put your camera off. It's not about how you look. It's about what God's going to do with you in that moment, right? It's really, really important to prioritize God's presence. That's why college is so powerful. That's why Sunday service, engaging, worshiping, giving, taking notes, leaning forward, gathering your family, praying together. These are all in powerful, powerful markers. God's calling us back in a season, in a winter season around us, in a lockdown season around us. He's calling us back to spiritual vitality. A lifestyle of worship. Yeah, put a, a CD or Apple Music or Spotify or whatever you use in your car. Uh, put worship music on. Put a podcast on. Don't listen to the radio. Don't listen to the news. Make a marker worship. Worship's a marker for you. Just like his presence is a marker. Worship is a marker. Daily confession of sin is a marker. God, I want to say to you today that I blew it in X, Y, and Z. Father, would you forgive me? Would you come and place your spirit upon me? Fill me again with your spirit. Holy Spirit, prompt me and ch change me and mold me and shape me and form me. The, the spiritual confession of sin, it's a marker. What about asking friends and staying in community? Staying connected to your life groups, your serving teams, your friends, your family, the people that matter, your pastors, your mentors, spiritual markers. Staying connected is a major, major marker. You know, one of the preemptive signs, one of the most telltale early warning signs are when somebody's gone to freeze spiritually or on their way from lukewarm even to cold spiritually as they detach from their communities. Come, let's use community as a marker on the beach today. What about anchoring ourselves in God's word? Memorizing scripture is powerful. 
Uh, you could take a short little psalm, Psalm 19, verse 14. Repeat it to yourself 70 times a day, five days in the week. I guarantee you by the time you've got that week's finished, you'll have done it. Psalm 19, verse 14, for example. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's not simply about reading scripture. It's about internalizing it. It's about memorizing it, right? I'm busy at the moment with Psalm 143. Talks about may he says to the psalmist says, May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. I love that. God, I want your spirit to lead me forward on a firm footing. As I get older, I find it gets harder to memorize scripture. So I've got to work harder at it. Those are good markers for us to use. Here are some questions for application for you and I today. If you're taking notes, I hope these will be massively helpful to you. Let's lean into these questions, really take them, wrestle them to the ground. You know, I thought about wrestling the other day with questions, and I want to say this to somebody watching today. Jacob wrestled with God because he wanted a blessing. You know, there is a blessing on the other side of a wrestle. When you and I wrestle with Scripture, when you and I wrestle with big questions, when you and I wrestle with questions of application, there's always a blessing on the other side of it. Here's the first question that relates to sifting. Number one, in these sifting times, what falls from your tree? Pray that it would be fruit. Pray for spiritual breakthrough, not simply circumstantial breakthrough. Question one, in these testing and difficult times, in these sifting times, what's falling from your tree? If you're not happy with your fruit, ask God for the Holy Spirit to burn brighter within you so that you'll produce fruit. Question two, what's shifted around you in these last few months or year and a half? And what's shifting inside of you? What's the external shift? What's the internal shift? And is it healthy? This last week, I put out on, on my blog just a f- 10 statements that I feel represent shifts inside of me. Here are just three of them for you. The first statement that I, I made was this. I must rearrange my life or arrange my life so that I'm experiencing deep, deep joy, contentment, and confidence in my life and my everyday life with God. I must arrange my life so that I'm experiencing deep joy, contentment, and confidence in my everyday life with God. It's up to me to do that. Don't wait for your pastor, your life group leader, your team leader. Don't wait for your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. Don't wait for your spouse or your children to arrange your life for you. You must arrange your life so that the reality of God's kingdom can can, uh, be allowed to breathe in your life. Number two, or the second statement for me that represents a shift. I'm just giving you three examples of shifts in my life. I'm not my brain, thankfully, because my brain, my thoughts, left unaided, will tend towards chaos, anger, anxiety. I'm not my brain. You are not your brain. You're much more than your brain and your thoughts. Can I say this to you? Your thoughts are not a representation of reality. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's real. You know when your mind goes off on a rabbit trail of worst case scenarios? Somehow we think that our thinking is reality. It's not. Thank God I'm not my brain. (laughs) 
Another shift that's happening to me is when I can't control outcomes, I can still pursue meaning. When I cannot control the outcome, I can still pursue meaning. Leading a church in this time, enormously challenging. Pastors and the staff team, we have to pivot all the time. I can't control the outcome. I can't control how many people hop on. I can't control how many people engage. I can't control any of that stuff, yet I can pursue meaning. For me, it's meaningful to lead us in times of communion. It's meaningful to read a gospel reading. It's meaningful to light a candle, thank God for his presence, center myself, breathe deeply, remind myself God is in control. The universe is still moving just the way he wants it to. That's meaningful for me. We've asked a question about sifting. We've asked a question about shifting. Third question is about drifting. Are the currents of culture causing you to drift spiritually? If so, can I invite you back to the markers? Here's the best for lost. Do not move in this moment. Here's the best for lost. Here's where the text comes alive, and we're going to read a portion, a few verses from Zechariah, which ties it all together. Into this sifting, shifting, and drifting, Zechariah utters a few words from God, and we find it in Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 to 12. It comes as a word of hope and a word to lift their spirits. Be up for you on the screen. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 to 12 from the NIV version. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Here's verse 10. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle plow bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Here's verse 12. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Here's where we land today. The thing that Zechariah communicates in this moment, in the middle of the sifting and the shifting and the drifting, he communicates the following. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. There is a kingdom of peace available now. Notice the prophecy. Here he comes, your king, riding on a donkey. The, the illustration is one of humility the analogy and the language is one of peace. The chariots are going to be taken away. The bows are going to be broken. Peace has entered the fray. And it's a messianic prophecy. Of course, it's looking forward to Jesus. Here we stand, church, 2,000 years after the birth of Christ with the presence of the Messiah uh, having already been laid bare for us. And we can see there is a kingdom of peace. And the word of encouragement to you today is, in the midst of the sifting, drifting, and shifting, there is a kingdom of peace. It's the kingdom of God. It's here and now. It's not someday in the future in heaven. His kingdom reigns and rules in our hearts right now. How does it work? You can pray for peace. 
You can pray in the midst of your loved ones having COVID. You can pray in the midst of job uncertainty. You can pray in the midst of the difficulties relationally that you're facing. You can pray in the midst of it. May the kingdom of peace come to my heart right now because there is a kingdom of peace and it has arrived in the form of Jesus. Second thing he reminds us, or the call is return to your fortress. Return to your fortress. Who's the fortress? Well, in those days, they were thinking temple. They were thinking Jerusalem. They were thinking the walls. Of course, post-Jesus, we know who's the, who's the real fortress. Who's the true fortress? Where it is Christ himself. Return to your fortress. Have you hid yourself in his love? Have you asked him for the embrace of his love? Have you come back to Christ? I'm calling you back to markers on the beach today. Return to your fortress. Don't allow the, cult, the current of culture to allow you to drift downwind. Come back to your fortress. Number three, he says, remember, as you come back to your fortress, remember, you are prisoners of hope. In other words, what? You are his prisoners. It's a fortress of hope. You're prisoners of hope. Though the nation of Israel weren't quite where they wanted to be, there was hope ahead of them. Though we may not be where we want to be, how we want to be, we have hope ahead of us. We are prisoners of hope. Why? Because we're wrapped up in His arms, and His arms are the arms of hope. Number four, restoration is coming. I will restore to you twice as much. Thrive. Can I invite you to lift your faith? Somebody listening today, when last did you ask God to restore something that was lost? When last did you ask him to give you the faith eyes to see for beyond? You know, Job went through what he went through, lost everything. And at the end of the story, God restored double as much as what he had. God is in the business of restoring twice as much as what was stolen by the enemy. The enemy may have stolen from something from you in this, in this season, but God is a rewarder of people who look to him and say, though they may have been lost, God, would you restore to me? And I'm not going to ask you simply to restore. I'm going to ask you according to your word, according to the pattern that's in your word, in Job and in Zechariah, would you restore to me twice as much? I know we're believing Pastors and leaders of Thrive, we are believing that Thrive will be twice as much immediately post-COVID. We're believing for marriages to be twice as beautiful. We're believing for financial restoration twice as much. Let's be people who hold on to that. Zechariah, his name means God remembers. God remembers you. God remembers you. And because he remembers you, we too can say this will pass. This will pass. You know, church, I saved the text in Zechariah right for the end because it points us to Jesus. In seasons of sifting, shifting, and drifting, the marker on the beach is the man who, who became God in the flesh for you and I. The one who stands and calls us back to him. There is a way to live your life. Though you be sifted, though the sand have shifted, 
you do not have to drift. His name is Jesus. And he stands on the beach of our lives while the currents of culture take us downstream. He calls us back and says, would you return to me? He is a fortress. He is a hope. He is the greatest life that ever lived. He is the greatest invitation ever to any human being. And in this moment, there's a decision before you. Will you follow him? Will you decide to learn to be with him, become like him, do what he did? Will you open your heart and your life to him? Will you trust him to forgive your sin? Trust him to write a new script with your life. Trust him to anchor your very existence. Trust him to open the, the, the presence of God to your life. All you have to do today is trust him and follow him. You don't have to have yourself right. You don't even have to have every step mapped out. You don't even need to know what all of that means. You simply need to have a decision in your heart to say, Jesus, I will follow you. You may have been in church for many, many years. You may be visiting Thrive Online for the first time and never have been in church before. You may have drifted and today you're coming back. So, so many of you speaking to you today, you have drifted and you're coming back. Here's my simple invitation. Join me as I pray for you. And WhatsApp the words, follow Jesus, so I know that I'm praying for you. You can WhatsApp it to the number on the screen right now. Simply WhatsApp the words, follow Jesus. I want to include you in my prayer. Father, in this moment, thank you that your word always opens our lives it always does heart surgery to us it pierces us and restores us at the same time thank you for that today as we place our faith and our hope in the one on the beach who calls us back to himself thank you Holy Spirit that you would flood every life making that decision right now begin a work that you'll carry on to the day of completion. In Jesus' name. Amen. See you Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. Cameras off. Calm and quiet moments. It's going to be beautiful. See you Nana, as in Nando's, Nana. See you Nana for communion in your car, communion drive through. Grace and peace, everybody. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.